Ready? Let's do it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rally Caps, a college baseball podcast. This is episode number 10, I believe. So that you know, is... That's, yeah. that's a good question because I had nine question mark. It is... I'm working about three <laughs> hours of sleep right now, so numbers are not really real to me at this moment. Yeah, we're, we're recording at 10 in the morning, and Mark is typically asleep for another two or three hours or so. Maybe I'm exaggerating that, maybe not. Um, but we got a great conversation for you today. We got... College baseball, of course. MLB was happening all week. Opening day was this past week, so it was very busy for both Mark and myself. I'm recording from Toronto currently. Uh, Mark is in his in his studio, so normal setup for him. But a bunch of stuff happened. We had sweeps, a lot of upsets, um, some guys who we highlighted getting back on track who were struggling a little bit early, um, and we're going to dive into a lot of that and more. We've also got some fun stats for you at the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're listening, go ahead and give us a follow. I am at Ben13Porter everywhere, and I'm with my co-host at GiraffeNeckMark everywhere, and you can follow the podcast at RallyCaps underscore pod on Twitter and at RallyCapsPod on Instagram. And Mark, we've been we've been slacking a little bit, but that, that happens. Yeah, I, I think when Major League Baseball comes around, when both of our jobs definitely rely on major league baseball it does get a little bit tougher but we're still we're still chugging along here still getting our college baseball fix even though it may not be what's on our mind 100 percent of the time hey listen still got a lot of great things to talk about here we got a fun little stat segment at the end that you guys are gonna love found some great fun stats i'm excited to talk college baseball yeah it's a college baseball is fun to talk about during mlb season two because a lot of things happen that you just don't see in the bigs we've been talking about style of play a lot but I mean, for instance, just going into an example of something that happened this week, Dayton got 10 guys stuck on their elevator in the hotel. Um, <laughs> and that just does not happen in, in, in MLB. Have you ever been stuck on an elevator? Uh, yes, it was a very similar situation to what Dayton had. Um, it wasn't with all of our baseball gear, but in college, me and my friends just, you know, going up to somebody's dorm room to a party or something just squeezing in 10 12 and then the thing stalled it was yeah, it, it was scary yeah for me i got stuck in an elevator once i was in north carolina for the mb draft combine and i walk out of my room go onto the elevator and a woman who i believe to be was a prostitute got on the elevator with me as well and was asking what i was doing that night and if i would like to hang out <laughs> and i said oh my girlfriend's in my room in my room with me uh, sorry, you can't come watch the baseball game with me. She's like, I don't mind. And I was like, well, I do. Um, please leave me alone. So luckily I didn't get stuck on the elevator with her, but it was on that same trip on the way down. Uh, the doors just wouldn't open and it was one 30 in the morning and I am frantically calling the front desk. I'm like, hello, please, somebody help me. Uh, long story short, I got out of the elevator, but my goodness, I couldn't imagine being trapped on there with 10 guys. What was that? A, a weight capacity thing I'm assuming for, it's, it's for gotta Dayton? be. So you've, you've got 10 guys in there. You've also got all of their baseball equipment and baseball bags are, are not light. Um, I, I thought it was pretty funny to watch guys walk out, you know, shirtless because they're probably in there for a while, get a bunch of dudes rubbing up on each other. It gets, gets sweaty. It gets hot. It's like a sauna in there. Horrible situation, but, but Dayton, Dayton made it out alive. 
Good for Dayton. Good for Dayton. We don't want to see them uh, get stuck in many elevators the rest of the season. Exactly. But hopefully, you know what? This is a this is a bonding moment. This brings the Dayton Flyers closer. Exactly. And that's just something that you don't see in MLB. They've got nice amenities in MLB, not minor league baseball, but MLB, they've got a bunch of amenities. They probably have multiple elevators they can take. The bus probably doesn't leave without the star player just to, to set an example or punish them. So I've, I've been there before. You're, you roll out of bed at I don't know, 7.57 a.m., the bus leaves at 8. You see the <laughs> elevator, there's eight guys waiting for the elevator, and you're like, I can't, I can't afford to wait the next one. <laughs> I got to get, get downstairs now. So we've all been there, Dayton. Shout out to you guys just grinding along. And, yeah, so we'll move on to uh, just one of the points that we wanted to bring up, and that's our guy Jace Young, who had a hell of a week. Um, leading up to this weekend, the five games before this weekend, he was 12 for 20 with 12 RBIs, 12 runs scored, five doubles, and three bombs. And Mark, we were talking about this maybe last week, maybe the week before, but it was only a matter of time before Jace Young kind of broke out and, and started going off. Yeah, he's really, really coming on strong. And I feel like it all got capped off this weekend. He had a walk-off against K-State. Mammoth, mammoth home run. I mean, absolutely crushed. He saw it off the bat. You're like, okay, that thing's... That thing's completely out of here. It's not even close. And I mean, like on the year, like you said, hot week, playing well. We spoke about it as the weather's warming up. Jace Young is warming up as well. And so is this Texas Tech team. 10 homers, 14 doubles, 40 RBIs, and a 12.65 OPS among the best in college baseball. And we talked about him at the beginning of the year. One of the top prospects in the MLB draft coming up. One of the top players in college baseball. And he's really starting to play like it after a little bit of a slow start, granted, it really wasn't a slow start. It just wasn't the best player in baseball kind of start. Honestly, he probably fired himself up with that uh, with that home run he hit um, when he was barking around the bases. That probably got him on the right track, to be honest. He might have needed that fire a little bit, and it definitely showed this week. So once things calmed down on the emotional side, the baseball side was kind of left there, and he's just, just been playing really well. So that's good to see. It was bound to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, good for Jace Young, good for Texas Tech. Now, how about a little ACC action? We've got a new number two team in the country, of course, behind Tennessee because they, they swept Missouri. That was no problem for them. We're, you're just going to hear about Tennessee being great all year long. But Miami, Virginia, Miami sweeps Virginia in Miami. Massive, massive sweep. I mean, Miami, I think, was come like number eight coming into the, the series. So it's not like a huge deal, but there's a new number two team in the country and they really kind of set the tone here. They look to be the best team possibly in the ACC. 6-2 win, 5-4, and then game three was an absolute blowout. 15-5. The biggest thing I take away from this weekend, Jake Geloff, 0 for 10. Miami has a secret formula to get one of the best hitters in college baseball out, something that everybody has seemingly struggled to do this year. Yeah, well, we talked about Jake Geloff slugging, I don't know, 1,200 and OPS and... <laughs> 2000 something whatever whatever the crazy numbers were that he had um they figured it out and that's something that speaks to not only their players but their coaching as well being able to have a scouting report being able to have a plan going in facing the best hitter in the country and then executing and getting it done keeping them to, to like you said 0 for 10 that's really really strong shit and i do want to point out that i had miami in my top 10 when we did that a couple weeks ago so just, just, just want to say that I was on it before everybody else when they were like nineteenth, had them top ten. So, shout out how to, many shout out to me? How many times in Jake Geloff's career do you think he's had an zero for ten stretch? That might be the first ever. 
Yeah, yeah, it might be. Um, that's a really good question, man. I feel like a question that I've considered a lot is like, how many at-bats have you had in your career? Like anyone who's played from Little League, you've probably had hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of at-bats. I struggle to believe Jake Geloff has had a weekend like this before. <laughs> no, for 10, I mean, like one of the best players in the country in college baseball. So he had to be really, really good in high school, which meant he was probably really, really good as a like, you know, middle school, elementary school kid. And everyone hits when you're that young. So, I mean, no for 10 is probably unheard of, especially in a baseball family like the Geloffs. But hey, let's give a little shine here to Miami too. Carson Palmquist dealt in game one, six inning, eight Ks, two hits, a couple walks, but absolutely shut down the Virginia offense. And then on the offensive side, Yohandry Morales. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Yohandy, Yohandry. Uh, he had two home runs this weekend, 10 on the season. He's definitely the best hitter on their team statistically this year. Looks like an absolute beast at the plate. And Miami has a clear lead first place in the ACC on the Coastal Division. They have a four-game lead over Virginia. Four games. It's a lot. Crazy. Um, by the way, Yohandry Morales goes by Yo-Yo. So great That's name there. Awesome. <laughs> Yo-Yo Morales and, and the Hurricanes. Yeah. We've been so focused on Virginia just because of, obviously, amazing team, what they've been doing. But Miami has just been just been lurking, just waiting for their opportunity. They knew they had Virginia on the schedule. And now a little sweep action, and they're way ahead. It's crazy yeah. how that happened because they were, they were right on their heels, and, and nobody was talking about it. And now they're four games up on Virginia in the Coastal Conference and definitely the best team in the ACC right now. So shout out to Miami, the Hurricanes. Looking good, playing good baseball. Let's see how they continue to progress throughout the year. Keeping it down south, let's talk about another Florida team. How about the Florida Gators? They uh they took a series from Arkansas at home as well. It's a big upset. Florida, unranked. Arkansas, top five team in the country. Florida, of course, always a good baseball school. Always expected to be playing well. And they did this series. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the strength of the SEC all the time. Um, the SEC Rally Caps podcast. But this is this is why, because an unranked team like Florida can be really, 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 really good and a contender down the line when things get to the tournament. Like every single team in the SEC, with the exception of maybe Missouri, I don't know, um, Kentucky, I don't know. Shout out to you guys if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but almost every team has raw talent and ability and can beat any other SEC team on a given weekend. So that's just something we saw here. Florida powerhouse program, like you said, won the college, uh, won the college world World Series while we were in school. So they've probably got some leftovers. The coaches know what the hell they're doing. And to play against Arkansas, the, a team that was super super hot. I mean, they had been winning like crazy headed into this weekend. So Florida got the best of them, but just shows the strength of the SEC. I think. Yeah, I was looking at Florida's lineup. I was looking at their stats. You know me, love to do the deep dives. They had quite the weekend offensively. Wyatt Langford and BT Riopoli. I don't, Riopoli. I, I'm not going to know how to pronounce this guy's name. Couple home runs each. But I looked at like the meat of their order. And I like to look at the meat of the order because it's like, okay, how, how do you get these guys out at times, right? Langford, BT, and Judd Fabian are combined for 34 home runs between the three players. And Wyatt and Riopoli have 21. If you have Fabian has 13, 34 home runs between three guys is a pretty potent middle of the lineup, I got to say. The lowest OPS between the three of them is 930, and the other two sit at 1100. So, I mean, we've we've 
gone crazy about numbers all year long, but it's just so crazy to see like a three, four, five or a one, two, three, like wherever they fall in the lineup. That's 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 about as hard as anybody in college baseball to get out right there. <laughs> that's murderers row right there. I mean, that's oh geez, imagine being a freshman, like getting called into the game in relief and just having to face those three guys. And you got a, a is that a Paisan in there? You got an Italian yeah, I, fella in there? I, I, Riopoli. It feels like it's got to be a little bit. I just I don't know where BT comes from. That is not a nickname initials I'm used to, but the Riopoli clearly. Buongiorno T. Riopoli. Something like that. There it is. And then a little shout out, of course, to Arkansas, too, because they did take a game and I talked about one of the best names in college baseball, Zebulon Vermillion. He pitched in game one. Him and Connor Nolan were the two pitchers that game. They were lights out. Our boy Chris Lanzilli, of course, we're always giving him love here, hit another home run, and uh, they roughed up Hunter Barco, who had been one of the better pitchers in all of college baseball. So even though Arkansas loses the series, there are some good things to take here. And they were on the road, so it's it's not like playing in Florida is the easiest by any means. Yeah, we, we kind of say it all the time, but Arkansas is going to be fine. Um, all these teams, Virginia, they're going to be fine. You lose a series, it happens. It shows the strength of the conference that you're playing in more than anything. Um, and that's something that gets taken into account when when the seeding gets done for the College World Series tournament. So um, that helps the RPI, even though they lost. And yeah, a lot of good things to take away from them, but they'll, they'll be all right. Um, now, yeah, go ahead. Uh, ben, have you have you been hearing about this, this infection sweep in the nation? No, Mark. Can you Can you enlighten me? Am I okay? And I'm, I'm, yeah, no, you're good. I think you're fine. I don't think you've been infected, and I haven't been infected for sure. But the herpes is spreading across the country. Oh my! And Connor, goodness. Connor herpes, six <laughs> innings, nine Ks again, striking out USC like crazy, and herpes is spreading like wildfire. And Oregon State <laughs> baseball, nice sweep, all on the back of Connor Herpy. If you're on the West Coast right now, you might not be safe because it's just it's just spreading up and down the coast. Um, Connor Herpes, I hope he's not listening to our podcast because he'd be like, what the fuck is going on with these guys? Who are they? Um, but we do give him praise because he's unbelievable. Last week, he, he struck out, what, 17? This week, he's another, another scoreless six innings with nine Ks. He's one of the best pitchers. I can't think of a pitcher you want on the mound more than him right now. Um, aside yeah, from I mean, maybe he's... like Ben Joyce for an inning, but <laughs> but Connor Connor Herp Connor Herpes, unbelievable. <laughs> Dude's like that's just not how you pronounce no. my last name. Please stop saying I have herpes. I'm giving people herpes. He has probably got that his entire life, um, <laughs> from I don't know middle school on. Whenever kids learn about STDs, so. He's probably been through a lot, probably given him thick skin, which has helped him on the mound. So all comes full circle there. Spin um, zone. <laughs> another incredible performance in the past, or just a guy who's been going crazy all season back to the ACC is Kevin Parada of Georgia Tech. Um, season stats, this was on the ninth. He's batting 379, 474, slugging uh slugging 750 with 14 bombs in 31 games so Kevin Parada we just said there's no pitcher you want more than than Connor Herpy. if there's a guy you want catching him it's Kevin Parada yeah I'll, I'll do even better I got the updated stats he's now with 15 homers leads the nation tied for number one with Andy Gariola, another paisan of uh, ODU and Jason Hinchman of Tennessee Tech so 15 home runs tied for the lead in the nation and the numbers actually got better from what you just said 
that's crazy. 390, 476, 773, and 1249 OPS. Like, I, I'm not trying to correct you, but oh my goodness, he got better. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, those yeah, numbers yeah. should go down. Yeah, yeah, they should. It's always funny when a guy's hitting that well and he goes like three for five in a day and you're like, ah, nope, your stats just suffered from that. But he keeps on plugging away. Um, yeah, I was a little outdated because it's early in the morning. I didn't have all my numbers set and I just found a tweet that said, uh, that said those stats. But to my surprise, even better. So it's, yep. I'm glad we highlighted him and he didn't have a, a dog shit weekend. Now, 50 ribbies <laughs> as well, 16 Ks. Kevin Parada catching as well. I got a feeling we're going to see this guy at the top of a lot of draft boards this year for the MLB draft. He's just unbelievably talented. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, talking about draft boards, we have to mention Ben Joyce. We just did it, but he hit 104 again multiple times this weekend. It's insane. <laughs> 104 is like, I think it's like the physical limitation of how fast a guy can throw. Maybe 106, maybe 107. But like scientifically, I think your I think your UCL jumps out of your arm once you exceed that threshold. And he's like on his way there. <laughs> it it doesn't make sense. Like I I think the fastest I've seen is probably like low 90s, having played baseball. And I'm I know you've seen a little bit more. I don't even think I can slightly wrap my head around what 104 miles an hour looks like trying to hit that that just that doesn't seem fair and you know what no one seems to know what to do with him I mean he technically still has a zero ERA I know he did give up like that one home run I don't know how it wasn't an earned run I don't know the exact backstory <laughs> wait 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 Tim Elko bomb. yes Tim Elko bomb yes Unearned? I, it technically technically wasn't an earned run that can't be possible uh, that's what the Tennessee stat book says. <laughs> they're so cooking the, they're cooking the books over at Tennessee. <laughs> Might be cooking the books. He's giving up a home run, but not an earned run. I don't what know how are it's they possible. Doing over there, my but God. Twenty Ks in eleven point two innings with four walks and five hits. He's also. I think this is honestly one of the more impressive stats. Only one wild pitch and one hit by batter or hit by pitch. That's incredible. Like great job by the catcher as well to just keep everything <laughs> locked up. One wild pitch for a guy throwing 104. We saw Roldis Chapman, first pitch of the season this year, sail over the catcher's head for the Yankees. So Ben Joyce throwing 104 with great control of 15K per nine, three walk per nine. Like we said, talking about be draft, I don't know where you take him, but you have to. Yeah, You just have to. Wherever it is, you have to take him. Yeah, and that stat that you just said is a hitter's favorite stat. When you go up against a guy throwing 104, the last thing you want to worry about is can he find the plate? And clearly, Ben Joyce knows where the ball is going. Um, so that's a little bit of comfort. Hitters may strike out, but at least they're not walking up there wondering if they'll be able to walk back to the dugout. Like getting hit by a 104-mile-an-hour pitch. It's like being hit by a car, I feel yeah, like. It's like being it's, shot, yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> what, the, what the hell? Like you get hit in like the kidney. You're like, oh, my God. Like I need to go to the hospital. I might collapse the lung. I think a couple of years ago, I tweeted a picture of somebody's rib cage after they got hit by Araldis Chapman or something, and it looked like a portal to the upside down in uh, in Stranger Things. <laughs> it looked like a like a galaxy from a telescope or something. It was absolutely insane. So shout out to <laughs> shout out to Ben Joyce for not inflicting that on other people. Yes, no, he's <laughs> keeping the people safe. We appreciate that. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up is. Um, Penn Baseball keeps tagging us on Twitter. I've been seeing that. And this is a test to see if Penn Baseball actually listens to the podcast 
or if they're just searching for a little bit of social engagement on Twitter. Um, they do have a good Twitter account. I'll give them credit for that. I, being a Columbia guy, am not a huge fan of Penn. Um, internally, we had our own chant designated for when we played against them. Went something like, fuck you, Penn. Fuck you, Penn. Um, but they have been tagging us. I think it's a case where they say, oh, these guys are kind of cool. They've got a, a decent following, a decent listenership. Let's just tag them in all of our tweets. Um, so I don't know what it is. I don't know how to feel about it. But I know as, as coming from someone who's neutral, how do you, how do you feel about the, uh, the Quakers? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, they're okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the state of Pennsylvania. I definitely have some animosity towards the city of Philadelphia. It's my least favorite city, I think, in the entire world. But um, UPenn? It's a good school. Smart people go there. Uh, I th- I do think it is so interesting, though, that, like you said, seemingly every tweet we are tagged. And I'm not complaining by any means because I have no allegiance to the Ivy Leagues. But for you, as a Columbia man, I found it interesting that Penn is, like you said, are they trying to get social engagement? Are they maybe just trying to poke the bear a little bit? Or are they like, hey, we like these guys. They're cool. I'm hoping it's the latter. But I, I could see a little bit of friendly rivalry there between you, Penn, and the Rally Caps podcast, maybe. I, ben, I'm on your side here. If, if you say... Down with you, Penn. I'm, I'm hopping on board here. Well, thank you, Mark. It's, it's good to have you in my corner here. Yeah, I don't know what to think. Uh, Penn, is, Penn is good this year, too. Like, they're good in the Ivy League. They won that series, their first series against Texas A&M. Um, they won the series against Columbia, unfortunately for me. So it's going to – they're right at the top of the conference right now. I'm not saying they're going to win because I know a bunch of guys in New York City who are, who are pretty good. But – they're a good team, um, so I don't know how to feel about it. Just wanted to bring it up. We'll test them, see if they're listening. If they tweet us after this, we can know that they're listeners of the pod and that and that we can proceed in interacting with them. But until then, I don't know. I might have to uh, might have to see a little bit more out of their their social strategy. Give them a test. Give them a quick test. They're yeah. smart people. They should pass it. I think so. I would think that they would. Um, and then one more thing before we get into our, our stats segment here, I think. Um, I'll just rattle off a couple of upsets, actually, before we talk about snowball. Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State. Alabama beat Ole Miss. Auburn beat Vanderbilt. And Georgia Southern beat Texas State this, this, uh, this week. So a lot of upsets there. And, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say. Obviously, the Miami upset as well. That's a huge sweep there. Um, but yeah, some, some good, good series is around the country or involving some of the best teams in the country. Um, and kind of just shows the parody of, of college baseball. I got a little something for you too. Uh, we haven't spoke about Southern Miss in a while. And in that time they've snuck into the, almost the top 10 right now on D one baseball.com. They are the number 11 team in the country for a team that started the year, I believe unranked, right? Um, you, yeah. I know you've been hyping them up forever you, yeah. from the start. Southern Miss, it's all I heard, and just casually one of the 10 best teams in baseball now. Yeah, uh, I've, I've just spoke about their home field advantage all the time, and clearly that has come into play. Hattiesburg is like the worst place to play in the world if you're, if you're a visiting player. So they've got that going for them. They've got a ton of talent there. Um, yeah, good for them. I, I think I had them unranked. I had, uh, who was it in CUSA that I had ranked above them? I don't know who it was, but that was a long time ago, long time ago, eight, nine weeks, maybe 10. Um, but yeah, doesn't surprise me at all because year after year, they're kind of sneaky, really, really good. Uh, maybe 
the best team in Mississippi right now, depending on how you rank Ole Miss. You, you really you really could say they are. Uh, the way they're playing, I think they have a really, really good argument that they are the clear favorite in the state of Mississippi. And then a little bit of Northeast love as well. UConn. UConn in the top 25. Number 18. Shout out to UConn. Northeast baseball. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm not a, I have no ties to Connecticut, but I love seeing the cold weather boys getting some love. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's awesome to see. Every time there's a, a northern team in the tournament, I root for them. It's like, yeah. oh, UConn, hell yeah. Harvard, eh, maybe. But in the basketball <laughs> tournament, yeah. Um, St. John's, fine. But like, <laughs> just knowing that guys play in the cold, they grind. There's probably like a bubble over their football field that they use. They probably hit in the cages until until mid-March where they go on the, the road and then play their first series and see live pitching for the first time. Like, those guys work really, really hard, and to see it pay off. And UConn, that's a good conference. They play a lot of good competition as well. So good for them. Good for, I think, Coach Penders is still there. Um, I was recruited by UConn. They didn't want me in the end. So a little bit of a, a bittersweet relationship, but I'm, I'm over it now. Little did they know that they would be eating those words because they have <laughs> the co-host of the Rally Caps podcast now. They, right. they could have had that as their alumni, but no, they chose not to. They, they had a lot of good players. Um, when we played against them, we faced Anthony Kay and oh, yeah. Tim Kate. I don't know what Tim Kate's doing right now, but that dude was disgusting. He struck us out nine times in a row. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some other guys who are probably in, the, in some minor league systems right now, but always a good program. Uh, I think they take baseball really, really seriously there, which is pretty cool, especially being a, such a major basketball school. So shout out to UConn for cracking the top 25, and we hope, hope they can stay in there. And then I know you kind of teased it a little bit. Nice little segue here. We're talking about a cold team. Saw some snow baseball, and it featured one of our favorite teams in college baseball, ETSU. ETSU, yeah. Snow baseball is, is strange. Growing up in the Northeast, you see it a lot. But it's not something that I would expect in, I think they're at ECU. At ECU in April, climate change is, is a real thing, and... <laughs> I don't know what kind of listeners we have. I don't know uh, how educated or how opinionated they are on that issue, but snow in Carolina in April, that doesn't sound right. It's not something that these guys can be accustomed to if they're not from the Northeast. Um, and it kind of just makes everything messy and difficult, but we love it as as viewers, love seeing that once or twice a year. You can just say, oh, these guys are going through it right now. That guy's hands are rattling when he gets one off the end. Um, pitcher's arms are probably struggling to stay loose. I don't know, Mark. What do you think about Snowball? Yeah, I've, I had one experience that I can remember about Snowball, and it was a scrimmage for varsity in high school. And we were playing up uh, North North Hunterdon. I can remember exactly. I got to play third base. Ooh, I got called in. Late, I think, like as a sophomore or junior, to play third base late in the snow game because shocker, the you know the seniors that were starting didn't want to play in the snow. And I remember a rope hit to me, and it was snowing hard. You could barely see. North Hunterdon had white jerseys. We had white jerseys. It was not good for a baseball experience. Rope to third base right off the heel of my glove. I mean, on a line drive, and I was like, yeah, I, just, I can't feel my hand. I can't do this. Like this is this is miserable. <laughs> Trying to throw the baseball, it was wet and cold, and I was numb. Props to the guys for playing, because I hated playing in the rain. I hated playing in the snow. I hated playing when it was cold. Mix those three together, that's just like a complete nightmare for me. Yeah, I have a similar story. My first at bat 
ever in high school. Um, it was there were some flurries going, and I'm a I'm a no BGs guy. Everybody knows that about Same. me. Oh, you were? Hell yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Hell no. Yeah. I mean, my, my no batting gloves is because when I was younger, uh, my parents asked me if I wanted some and I said no. And the reason was because I 100% thought I was going to lose them and get yelled at. <laughs> it's a little bit different for me. I just didn't like how they felt. Um, but I've been singing the No BGs song on Twitter forever. I've got a list of like every player in the majors who, who doesn't wear batting gloves. Um, but yeah, first game of high school ball ever I get a pinch hit or not a pinch hit but I get a pinch hit appearance late in the game and just got one off the end and then I had to go out to the outfield and try to throw the baseball my right hand it was always my right hand and like I could barely throw because you hold the baseball so loose after you get a (laughs) rattle job like that (laughs) and I was just like uh, (laughs) listeners can't see but I'm just like pretending to throw like a like a small child right now. So not fond memories, but I do like to see that that guys are toughing it out and, and still playing in the snow there. Especially those Southern boys who may not have ever experienced that before. But definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So now we can head into this is a quick episode by the way. Mark and I discussed that. We both didn't have as much time as we may have liked to look at to watch college baseball this weekend. So we're keeping it a little short, but we got a fun segment right here. We both have five stats that we, that we highlighted that we thought were fun, that we thought were interesting. Um, and so we'll just bounce back and forth with, uh, with some fun stats right here for the college baseball season. Sure. I'm going to get started. I'm going to get started on the pitching side. I have a couple hit by pitch stats, but there's two in particular that I want to talk about right now. And that's going to be Damon Ellerton of Arkansas Pine Bluff and Andrew Meadows of Alcorn State. Damon Ellerton has hit 20 batters in 37 innings pitched. <laughs> and what's even crazier is Arkansas Pine Bluff, whatever they're called, has hit 65 batters in 27 games. 65! That's crazy. But wait, there's more. Andrew Meadows has hit 14 batters in 19 innings of pitching. And the team of Alcorn State has hit 66 in 23 games. I mean, listen, I'm not trying to rag on the team here, but that is a shocking amount. As a Mets fan, the, the hit-by-pitch is a little close to me this weekend as a couple Mets got hit in the head. 66 in 23 games. I mean, guys, spider attack. I'm sure they're not going to find you out in Alcorn State cheating using spider attack. Just invest like a little bit. It's like $10 on Amazon. <laughs> you got to stop hitting batters. Mark, my I have I have the same shit. I have Alcorn State has hit sixty six batters most in the country, but what makes it so impressive is that they have fifty seven fewer innings pitched than the next team. Um, I guess they've played three more games, so maybe that's closer to about thirty innings. But, but they're hitting a batter almost every other inning. <laughs> it's it's insane. I think we have to look into this a little bit more closely. Maybe they're playing teams that they absolutely hate over and over and over again. Maybe Alcorn State has played Arkansas Pine Bluff 25 times now, and they just keep going back and forth trying to even the score. I don't know what the situation is, but it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Who was the guy who got hit? Was it Ron Hunt? I think Ron Hunt got hit 50 times and holds a single-season record in MLB history. That's a, yeah, it's a, that's a shocking amount. And it's funny that you mentioned getting hit by a pitch because oh, I've got a getting hit by a pitch stat for you too now. Rhett 
Rosevere of southeastern Louisiana. I don't know if state's thrown in there, but it's wherever Cole Kelly, the quarterback prospect's from. He's been hit 21 times this year in 32 games. He has a 460 on base because of it. He has been hit in almost 20% of his plate appearances this year. Hit by pitch. I think he's gotten 140 plate appearances. 20 to- 21 times he's been hit. That's that. That's almost. I got to see this guy's stance. I got to see where he stands <laughs> on the plate. Surely he's doing the Chase Utley, Derek Jeter diving over the plate, throwing elbows out there because that's too many times. It doesn't make sense. Again, you have to wonder if he's got like a, a hateable face or something that draws pitchers to throw at him. I do have the Ron Hunt stats here, by the way. Um, Ron Hunt led the league in hit by pitches every year from 1968 to 1974. And in 1971, he was hit by 50 pitches, which I believe is the all-time record. Um, that is an insane <laughs> amount of pitches to be hit by. So, but yeah, I mean, same as same as what you just said. That's whatever it is, a high percentage of your plate appearances to get drilled in. <laughs> so, hey, shout out to him, man. I hope he's taken enough ice baths. Uh, I hope his body isn't just black and blue at this point, because holy hell, that must suck. <laughs> so many that's so many i think i got hit by three pitches in my career like ever maybe a couple, maybe <laughs> four or five but nothing to that extent so there's there's always a guy there's a guy on every team who gets hit more than everybody else and nobody really knows why but but like you said we might have to look into what his stance looks like ball magnet that's what they are the ball magnet um here's one for you david hogarth of william and mary has struck out just three times in 116 plate appearances. Do you have that one too? I, d- I was looking at that one. Uh, this the, the Finding the numbers, they phrase it so weird on NCAA.com. It's like <laughs> yeah. toughest to strike out, and then they do like a a weird percentage that doesn't really make any sense because I don't even think it's accurate. But <laughs> yeah, uh, William and Mary, I, I looked at them in general. They just don't strike out as a team in general. They're very, very much lower on the uh, strikeout poll for offenses. It's impressive. It's a little, you got us. I know we're a launch angle, exit velo kind of world right now with baseball, but you still got to appreciate the guy who does not swing and miss. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. David Hogarth is, is doing it right. I can, I want to just showcase my uh, MLB historical knowledge right here. Single season lowest strikeout percentage of all time is um, Joe Sewell. In 1925, he struck out four times in 799 plate appearances. So, David Hogarth is coming for the crown. <laughs> He's coming for the crown from William and Mary. Yes, He's hunting them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, go ahead, Mark. That was my that was my uh, my second one. Okay, I'm gonna have a little bit of fun here. There's a guy named Shamar Page. This isn't necessarily a weird stat, but this is more of a, a player that I found. Shamar Page of Grambling State, two way player. He casually is tied for the lead in NCAA in college baseball with 80 Ks in 52 innings pitched, a 2.25 ERA, and on the offensive side, he's hitting 377 with a 479 on base, 607 slugging, and a 1086 OPS with a dinger and 14 RBIs. Again, I can't find anything on this guy outside <laughs> of the numbers, which is like super disappointing because. 80K, you have to be doing something right with 80K. So I want to see, does this guy have some stuff? Does he have a live arm? I got nothing. I have nothing about the actual player himself outside of the stats. But Shamar Page, Grambling State, I would love to know what's going on there. If anybody has Shamar Page info, please tweet us at the podcast 
Tweet me at DraftNeckMark. I'm, I'm a Shamar Page fan without even watching him swing or throw a baseball. You would think that a two-way guy is getting is getting more attention, too. You'd think Especially that, when he's leading the country in strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to blast that. We'll, we'll do that today or tomorrow. We will absolutely blast some stats about him and, and try to get him some love. That's awesome. And I wonder, do you what year is he? He is a graduate transfer. He went to Louisiana Tech before this. Okay. Okay, interesting. I'm curious if if Shohei has anything to do with players, you know, being allowed to two-way now because it's something that you in college obviously there are some guys that do it. Guys who can hit and pitch. Um obviously here's a case of one. But I wonder if some coaches are becoming more lenient to that idea because of how well Shohei played last year. Oh, definitely. I think I think you have to be. You'd be foolish to not try and get that value just because if you have a guy who's really good at pitching and hitting, even better. Why not? Yeah, definitely. Also, Grambling State is in which conference? I think they might be in the same conference with Alcorn Arkansas State Pine Bluff and, and Alcorn yeah, State. I was going to say. So I think I think that's the HB is that the HBCU conference? They're all HBCUs. I don't know if it's one conference or Okay, but that that's definitely the SWAC, I think. Okay. Okay. So the SWAC. Just crazy baseball going on. But it's it seems like fun. Um <laughs> seems like and that's also where I believe I don't wanna I don't wanna say the wrong thing here. I'm just gonna move on. And <laughs> <laughs> I've got Robert Gallagher has the most steals in the country without getting caught, more than Enrique Bradfield Jr. Um, and he's 21 for 21. He's That's also really he's also got an OPS over 1,000, so he can he can slug too. So you got a, a guy who hits really well, who runs really well. He's got great stolen base awareness. He reads pitchers really well. So Robert Gallagher of the, uh, of the Riverhawks showcasing some speed on the base paths. Yeah, something I like to do at the end of the year usually with baseball is just look at like the top 10 guys and do like it's it's absolutely fake, but take their stolen bases and turn their singles into doubles for their slugging percentage. And I'm like, let's see what their OPS would be because they technically they technically got a double there. That's a guy who could keep an eye out for, especially he's got a thousand OPS. He's probably chilling pretty high in my fake stat. That doesn't matter. I honestly believe that stolen bases should count towards slugging percentage. I totally agree with that. Um, or there should at least be a separate stat that, that takes it into account because why shouldn't it? It's bases per plate appearance and you get an extra base. Yeah. So I'm all for that. I love that fake stat. Yes. All right. My next stat that I'm going to go with here on the offensive side, there are 45 qualified hitters in college baseball D1 that are hitting over 400 and there are 46 with an on base percentage over 500, which is just absolutely insane. And the number one guy, in both categories is Sonny DiChiara of Auburn, who is having quite the season, hitting 452 with a 595 on base percentage. I mean, I don't care if you have zero home runs and zero RBIs. You're doing something right playing this many games in the SEC, hitting 452 and getting on base almost 60% of the time. Yeah, my last stat was a boring one, but it was Sonny DiChiara uh, of Auburn, 1559 OPS. So, Another another Italian guy. What is an Italian guy doing at Auburn? We're, I mean, we're he, he, showing a lot of love to the Paisans. We're showing a lot of love to the SWAC today. There's there's themes in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was one of mine too. But he's he's having an unbelievable season, like best hitter in the country type season. 
Yeah, for sure. And he just he's not getting the love because he doesn't have the home run pop like maybe a Galoff or some of the other guys, Kevin Prada that we mentioned. But mm, it looks like he knows what he's doing at the plate. I would say so. Uh, and I've got one more, one more here, and that's Noah Covington of University of Maryland Eastern Shore. He's got four complete games and seven starts. Yes, I saw that one. I did a deeper dive. I was like, four complete games? And I think he used to, he used to play the infield at least. Um, yeah, he's having a really nice year. I didn't even know that was a D1 baseball school. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was a logo in a school I'd never heard of. I, o- I only know that because I have a friend who played there. Um, there you go. Yeah, and he's also only got six total walks in, <laughs> I believe it's 45 innings in those seven starts. So, he, uh, yeah, he's got control, and you don't throw complete games without control. It's kind of funny, though, because his batting average against is like 250, which isn't great. His ERA is mid-threes, which is fine but not great um only 25 strikeouts <laughs> so he he must be throwing a lot of pitches or at least been getting getting smoked i'm sure he just kind of lays it in there and guys just maybe he's got some funky stuff going on and he gets a lot of ground balls or a lot of pop-ups but whatever he's doing it's working and he's he's saving his bullpen a lot of pitches there so shout oh, yeah. out to robert covington it's robert covington that's a that's a basketball player. <laughs> Robert Covington. What am I thinking? I don't even watch basketball. Noah Covington. Noah Covington. University of Maryland. Eastern Shore. Complete game machine. Hell yeah. Let's go, Noah. Uh, not Robert. Noah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Early in the morning. It's, it's. I mean, I've now been up for a good hour, but it's early in the morning. <laughs> we're, we're allowed to make those mistakes here on a Monday. Definitely. Is that, that uh, the last one for you as well, Mark? Yeah, uh, I mean, I pretty much covered them. Jonathan Thomas, 38 stolen bases. We we talked about him. He's the clear and obvious leader in stolen bases. And then just a weird little team stat again. I don't know how to really do this, but shout out to the Omaha Mavericks, who have a really interesting pitching staff. Nobody does anything particularly well where you're like, wow, they strike out a ton of guys or they don't give up hits. But they have four starters, like all four of their starters have an ERA under three. Charlie Bell and Mark Timmons are the guys that are in like that two to three range. And then they have two guys with an ERA under two, Caleb Rydell at .83 and Joey Machado at 1.37. And the Rydell guy I thought was interesting because he has a higher whip than ERA. You don't see that. Higher whip. <laughs> higher whip than ERA. That's incredible. It's so like a the- one-two whip and a .83 ERA. I don't know how they do it. But Omaha has either got the greatest defense behind them or they play in a massive park. Whatever it is, they're pitching, it's cooking, but they're also 500. So I really don't know. It's like it's like Satchel Paige. Like, I'm going to walk the bases loaded just for fun so I can get out of it. Not, <laughs> yes. allow, not allow any runs. That's hilarious. I love that stat. Guy just gets crushed, walks a ton of batters, but not when it matters. Grinders, man. <laughs> Grinders. Grinders. Um, I think with that, we can uh, we can call it an episode. Short one for you guys today, but I think we covered a good amount. And yeah, we'll uh, hopefully have it a little bit back on track uh, next week, though. Next Monday is the Boston Marathon. So so we'll see. Your boy might, we'll be, see how we do. Your boy <laughs> might be a little tipsy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you guys for listening. And you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Just look up Rally Caps Pod. Uh, and you will find us. And I'm Ben 13 Porter, my co-host, Giraffe Neck Mark, signing off. Peace out, guys. See you guys.